Welcome to episode 30 of the Owl and Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen and we are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage our listeners to apply critical thinking to news and current events as we seek to live for Christ. Well, we're very excited about this episode because we have a special guest with us. Helen and I have been looking forward to this for quite a while now. And uh, some of our listeners, in fact, I would imagine many of our listeners will already be well aware of Reverend Jamie Franklin. And for those of you who are not, Jamie is a priest in the Church of England, currently based in Nottingham. And I came across Jamie through his involvement with um, the open letter from Christian leaders about vaccine passport proposals and this was back in 2021 it feels like a quite a long time ago now but that certainly made me pay attention as suddenly here was a church leader who was switched on and since then we've become avid listeners of the irreverend podcast as well which has been a fantastic source of encouragement and uh, insight into what's going on and Helen uh, you've been following Jamie for a while how many and and you referred to I have to be. I have to be honest. You referred to Jamie originally, originally as your your vicar's Helen, which which threw me a little bit because I was thinking to myself, well, as far as I know, Helen doesn't go to an Anglican church, <laughs> and I, and I was thinking, is Helen moonlighting or something? What's going on here? And it took it took me a while to to actually understand what you meant. But yeah, Helen, do you want to say how you kind of first came across Jamie? Yeah, well, I think um, I heard an interview with Jamie. I can't remember where it was. Um, and on it, uh, Jamie, you talked about Irreverend, the podcast. Mm. So I listened to that. And yeah, from then it became, I'd talk about, well, my vicars say. <laughs> and that's <laughs> Jamie and Tom and Daniel who do the Irreverend podcast. So yeah, that was a while ago now. Been listening right. ever since. Yeah. Right. Maybe that was, was that, it wasn't uh, James Dellingpole, maybe? A lot of people found me through, found our show through that. Might have been. It might have been. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. I don't want to out you as, I mean, maybe maybe you don't want people to know which podcast you listen no, to. No, 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 I definitely we do. listen we to that one. To that so, one as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so look, Jamie, welcome to the Owl and Badger podcast. It's great to have you with us. And and Jamie, you're also a doctor. So I just want to be clear about this. Is it is it is it Reverend Doctor or Dr. Rev? How do you, yeah, how do yeah, you, yeah. how do you word it? Well, it's Reverend Doctor, but you know, ah. Tim, I'm, I'm very, very relaxed about, I'm very, very relaxed about it. You can just call me Jamie, but yeah, no, I'm a doctor, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not a doctor of medicine. So lots of people say I'm not a, a proper doctor. I've, I've got a doctorate oh. in systematic theology. Yes. So yeah. So Reverend, Reverend Doctor is my official title. Okay. Excellent. I'm just, I'm just Jamie. It doesn't make any difference to me in you know, my everyday life. I'm just, you know, dad or you know, I guess some people call me father in church, but you know, it's up to them. It's up to them whether they do that or not. You know, I don't really mind. I'm perfectly happy being called Jamie. Excellent. We just always want to be want to be clear where we're, what, who we're talking to, and and how we should approach everything. But on our approach, we want, want to do this a little bit differently and delve delve into family and church life for you, Jamie, and how your experience and outlook can I hope encourage and inspire our listeners. So, do you want to just talk a little bit as through your your faith journey, as it were, and and who perhaps your main influences and inspirations have been? Okay, so um, so. Uh, <laughs> You might you might have to um, you know jump in and and give me direction, okay? Because that's a, that's a question I could answer at length. I mean, I could take <laughs> up, take up the rest of this podcast. Um, yeah, so I grew up with um, I grew up in a one parent family with my mum and two brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother 
has a strong Christian faith. Um, all of my family really is sort of evangelicals, you know, of one of one stripe or another. So that was that was the kind of Christianity that I knew growing up. Um, but as I as I was growing up, I was uh, really aware of the fact that I was not a Christian. You know, I was just I just wasn't a Christian. And I, from there was no I can't looking back at my childhood, I can't really think there was a time, you know, even as a very young child where I where I actually thought that I was a Christian. So I just I just didn't it just didn't click for me for some reason. Just there was just, well, I can actually tell you what it is because because I, I, I think I was I think I was quite aware of it when I was a teenager. Um, you know, I was into uh, music and literature mm-hmm. and things like that. And I, I think my sort of philosophy of, of art, if you like, sounds fairly pretentious for, for a teenager to be thinking about these kind of things. But uh, my philosophy of art was that art was about, um, you know, it was about being, I'm just trying to think of how to put it. Like you can't have art without sadness and mm-hmm. struggle and pain. And, you know, I had that. I had I had that very much in the forefront of my mind, you know, in terms of music, in terms of literature and things like that. And it seemed to me that Christianity was just kind of boring, you know, that it was just all about being happy and chipper. And there wasn't a sort of edge to it, if you like. Yeah. And so for me, I was more into, um, yeah, a mixture of things. Like I played piano. I was a classical musician. I was OK. I wasn't a fantastic musician, but I liked playing piano. I was quite good. Um and I was I was really into um, guitar and, and heavy metal, um, so I was obsessed um, with bands like Metallica and and, and Iron Maiden, okay. and bands like that. Growing up, um, yeah, I still still like some of that music now, um, although I can't play it as loudly and uh, for as long as as you know I did <laughs> as a teenager. It would be quite disturbing for my children. But um, yeah, so I was into all that kind of stuff. But then I'd, I'd read a lot. I wasn't a brilliant student at school, but I, I was really into reading uh, literature. You know, read a lot of uh, great, great literature, really. George Orwell and um, Dostoevsky I got into when I was a teenager. And all of that was a kind of manifestation of my my interest in in culture, I suppose. And I wasn't really interested in Christianity because it didn't really seem to sort of speak to speak to that aspect of my personality. Thank you. This is my wife bringing um, some. Uh, this is very this is very patriarchal. Your, your listeners will find it. <laughs> my wife has just delivered to me silently uh, a, a scone with some um, with some nice butter and cheese on it. Well, well, uh, yeah, you feel hungry. We'll have to do yeah, some no, talking yeah. so you can have have some mouthfuls as well. So yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Um, yeah. So anyway, so so that was that was the way it was for me. And so I didn't I didn't see Christianity as kind of speaking to that speaking to that need. But but at the same time, I would say that you know, as a as a younger man, I was really deeply unfulfilled person. You know, it was mm. never that that interesting culture was never really sort of meeting. It wasn't really meeting the a deep need. It was more about me trying to sort of project an image of myself into the world. Yeah. And, and by the time I went to university, um, I went to the University of Kent to do my undergraduate degree in, in philosophy and English literature. But I think I was, you know, emotionally and psychologically and spiritually at quite a low ebb. You know, I I was um, pretty depressed. Um, you know, I never had sort of counselling or took, you know, antidepressants or anything like that. But I think, you know, nowadays a child in my state would probably be apt to, you know, for people to say, or, you know, maybe you should start like uh, having some antidepressants or something. So it was it wasn't like a clinical depression, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. But but nevertheless, it was it was, you know, it was pretty bad. I felt quite low quite a lot of the time. And in many ways, um, my um, my childhood, you know, there were there were real um, difficulties in lots of ways, you know, mm. which um, 
I won't go into now because it would just be too much detail. But so that's what that's the state I was in, sort of arriving at university. And, um, you know, what happened was, I think through that kind of sense of depression and and, and sadness, uh, a sort of openness um, came about in my heart um, to, well, ultimately to, to Christ and, and to, to God's, to God's uh, presence in, in the world and in my life. But I obviously it took time for, for me to sort of um, see it that way. It manifested itself first through my meeting um, Christians at university, you know, people who are my age, mm. which was, you know, it wasn't really common for me uh, as a, growing up. I didn't really know any Christians who are my age. So Christians who are my age and they went to uh, a church in Canterbury uh, which uh, was a New Frontiers church, which is a charismatic evangelical yeah. church. So there was, so there were two things. So I'll tell you about this first. So that, so um, I and and through meeting these uh, friends, you know, one person in particular, I uh, invited me to church, and I I went to church, and I really really liked the church. I loved it. I really loved it, and it was it was like a subversion of what I'd experienced as a as a child, um, which was more like a kind of you know. Uh, mostly sort of um, Baptist it you know I did go to charismatic evangelical churches when I was a child but it was this was different you know it was like young people uh you know really good music the preaching was was fantastic all of that kind of stuff yeah and it really it really it really uh, attracted me all of that kind of vibrancy really attracted me um but I did have um what I what I still believe is a, a very very powerful spiritual experience um during a time of the sung worship and I can't remember whether it was the first time I went, or maybe it was the second or third time, but um, I remember just this, um, through this music, just um, having a sense of um, this really powerful sense that, that uh, well, I don't really know even how to describe it. It's really hard to describe, but a sense of joy, uh, a sense of um, cathartic release from from all of this sorrow that had been on my heart for so many years. And um, it was it was an extraordinary, extraordinarily powerful moment in my life. And I'd, I'd never experienced anything like it. And I have had moments like that since. But um, but that that stands out to me as a, as a really, really important moment where I think I think it was it was the presence of, of God. Yes. And I, can't, I can't explain it any any other way. I think it was God's God's presence, um, the Holy Spirit, you know, filling my filling my soul and um healing me of the pain that i'd that i'd felt for so long and so uh, that was a really that was a really powerful experience and um around this time and i can't really remember you know um what the order of events was but because of this sort of openness that i had i would read scripture um you know i i was you know typical kind of undergraduate you know um staying up till you know the following morning and not sleeping you know sleeping during the day and everything and um reading scripture i remember sort of reading scripture at night i was sort of smoked as well i remember sort of sitting in my window uh smoking and reading scripture um which you know probably wouldn't be allowed wouldn't be allowed nowadays this kind of behavior either of these things would be not, would be forbidden you, you, you need know, you need a good vop to do that i think don't you You need a good yeah. through flow of air in order for that to yeah, function yeah. quite well that, that that is true that is true um yeah so anyway so I read scripture and, and the two things I can remember reading were the psalms and the gospel of John and I remember the psalms speaking to that you remember what I said that thing about Christianity not really sort of having this sort of edge this sort of 
you know, this this sort of what I consider to be reality, something that spoke to uh, the the sadness and the and the pain of uh, of life, and 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 the beauty that sometimes one can see through that pain and through that sadness in various ways. But I saw in the Psalms actually, you know, that the Bible does have this this aspect to it. And I remember in particular reading um, Psalm 13, you know, not not a particularly um, famous psalm, but um, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. I will praise you, O Lord, for you have dealt bountifully with me. You know, it sort of it seemed to be um, it seemed to speak to my experience. How long, O Lord, will will you hide your face from me? How mm. long, O Lord? forever you know all this kind of stuff and it really it really spoke to my it really spoke to me it just i could see myself in it so there was that and then there's the gospel of john um and this was the first time that i'd really really sort of for myself um reckoned with the person of of jesus right it was the first time that i'd i'd really you know because obviously i'd grown up you know hearing about this stuff yeah um but it was the first time i reckoned with with jesus christ with who he actually is and and whether whether i could actually sort of um whether i could read that and seriously consider him and then you know walk away as though as though as though that was that could somehow not be relevant to Mm -hmm. my my life Mm -hmm. and to the world and you know i just came to believe in him wow i just came to i just came to believe in him and there was a particular scripture in john chapter six um it's just after Jesus has been teaching uh, about um, eating his flesh and, and, and drinking his blood. And um, the, a number of his disciples desert him. Desert him. And uh, the apostle Peter, uh, no, he says to the, to the remaining ones, you know, uh, are you going to go away as well? And the apostle Peter says, uh, Lord, to whom shall we go? We, we have come to know and believe that you have the words of eternal life and you are the Holy One, the Son of God. And... Um, I just remember reading that and just believing it, just thinking, yeah, you know, that's true. Yeah. And, you know, and, and coming to the conclusion that I wanted to, to be a, to be a Christian, I would have said at the time, you know, and, and to follow Christ. And um, so that's, yeah. So that's how, that's how it sort of started off for me. And as you can say, uh, as you can see, uh, I could, I could, I could go on, I could go on uh, and, and continue telling the story, but, but that's, that's kind of how it started off. And that's what I've been trying to do ever since. Yeah, I mean, do you want me to? Do you want to? Do you want to jump in and sort of give me some direction as to? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's it's so it's such a key thing that that you know if you grow up in an environment where you are aware of of God, you have have a knowledge of Jesus Christ. There still there still has to be that point where you come to the conclusion yourself that God is real, that mm-hmm. that Jesus is real, that you can know Him and be known by Him, mm-hmm. and um that 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 you know that's something as 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 a parent i i long for for my boys you know myself and my wife we can instill as much biblical truth as much doctrine as you like but ultimately they they have to come to that conclusion that realization that that christ is is real and is for them uh, themselves and and that that's a a life-transforming that's a life-transforming moment um yeah that's that's pretty that's pretty pretty amazing um, I, th- I think what would be kind of moving on from that, what would I think what's going to be really interesting to to hear from you, Jamie, is is bringing this up to sort of today with in terms of how you go about you know your day in terms of any particular routines you have, because I think 
it's very easy as, as followers of Christ to be distracted. It's it's very easy to, um, to, to, to fail to understand the importance of discipline and routine. I know I struggle that with myself. And um, there was an interesting article. Um, you come across Morgoth? You, you heard, you, yeah, yeah. yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so he, d- he did an interesting <clears throat> piece just recently about the age of distraction and talking about how we're kind of under siege from all sorts of things, you know, from notifications. There's no, there's very little to be understood about boredom, for example, now, mm-hmm. because there's always things to keep us from being bored, for example. Mm-hmm. So actually to be able to concentrate on things for a sustained period of time is, is almost becoming a lost thing. So, yeah, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? What, what, do, you, what do you do in, in terms of keeping, you know, prioritising your relationship with God? And obviously, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, your 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 day job, as it were, is in is helping others do the same. But that but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a given. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I'm just finishing off this. Um, I'm listening to what you're saying, but I'm just finishing off this. I, I, um, I, was, tr- I was trying to give, give you good scone time <laughs> or scone time. Doing <laughs> <laughs> <Getting> some padding. <laughs> yeah, prioritizing. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, there's there's loads there, and and. Um, Sorry, just trying to think. I'm just trying to think where to start off, really. Um, yes, it is my job, um, and, and there are there are certain there are certain advantages to that. But um, you know, even though I, I mean, I'm, uh, even though I'm a vicar, there's still there's still the there's still the challenge, you know, the daily challenge um, to seek the face of the Lord. And I think in some ways, um, being a vicar actually makes it in some ways it makes it harder. Now, I don't. I know uh, in in some ways there are massive um uh upsides to it as well and um and and in some ways it shouldn't make it harder but but the the danger is as a vicar that what what happens is that you end up you end up thinking or at least acting like um things which are not the main goal are the main goal you know so mm. uh, administrative things or you know things to do with um i don't know you know things to do with um uh church church life or whatever it might be or you know, just just forgetting about the fact that, you know, your calling as a as a believer is to seek the face of the Lord, and and ultimately as a vicar, that's that's the the best thing that you can possibly do, um, as a any kind of any kind of Christian, but certainly as a as a minister, if you want to have a if you want to have an influence on other people, um, for for Christ, then what what you absolutely have to prioritize is is knowing Christ yourself and and being close to him yeah. and then it's through it's through that nearness to Christ and through through the presence of Christ in your own life that other people will see Christ yeah. you know so, so my my um my role is you know the, one of the sort of phrases i i come back to over and over again i don't even know where i've got this phrase from but um, my my role is to be a sign of Christ to people. You know mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm called to be, and I know all Christians are, but specifically in my parochial context and and my my family context as well, um, I'm called to be a sign of Christ. And I can't be a sign of Christ if I'm not if I'm not daily seeking His face and being renewed by His grace. And you know this this goes for everything. Um, you know, in preaching, for example, I've really sort of felt challenged myself to try and um nourish myself through the word of god um, before i seek to nourish other people because i know that if i've if i really have reckoned with what i'm preparing for myself as an individual then 
what I have to share with others will be of so much more value, you know, so I'm preaching on John chapter 10 this week, for example. So just, you know, I'm the, I'm the good shepherd. Um, I'm the, I'm the gate, I'm the door. So, you know, I've been trying to think that through for myself as much as, as much as for what's going to be in the sermon, you know, trying to apply that to my own life. So that kind of thing is really, really important in ministry as it is in, in all Christian life. Yeah. Um, in terms of, in terms of disciplines, um, ever since, ever since that time I just described, I have had some kind of morning devotional time. Right. And that's changed that's changed over the years, but I've prioritized that. And I think, you know, I guess the thing I would say is that above anything else that I've ever done as a Christian, having that morning devotional time is the, you know, that's the engine. That's the thing that drives everything else. Um and I'm not saying I'm not saying to people who are listening, you know, that's the only that's the only thing you can possibly do in terms of when you have a devotional time but i for me and i think there is evidence you know in the in in scripture you know in the 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 way that christ conducted himself that that setting aside of time in the morning is is absolutely key it's absolutely vital i didn't actually have it this morning because i had such a terrible night's sleep with my with my daughter um and so i overslept um and that but that's a rare event you know i'd say that happens once in a blue moon and i've always i've always done i've always done that so when i started out you know more in the evangelical world much of which i much of which i retain by the way i still even though i'm in a high church anglo-catholic context i still think of myself as an evangelical as well um you know that was it was more that for many years it was like more about getting to know the scripture and i'd spend you know an hour a day doing this kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. easily probably probably more you know and when you're younger obviously this is and you don't have kids and stuff it's it's easier and you don't have a job uh you know it's easier <laughs> it's easier to do this kind of thing isn't it but you know i'd spend time like um i was very very influenced by um at the time um well-known american preachers like uh john piper and, mm-hmm. and mark school yeah uh, and i would i would i would take their advice and you know study books of the bible take take weeks uh, months you know going through books of the bible um reading about them making um making notes on them applying applying them to my life um through through prayer um and so i did that for years and years and years and years and really really got to know scripture quite well you know quite well um through that time uh, just that regular morning devotional you know a quiet time or whatever terminology one wants to use use for it and that, it, it, that ma- it makes it, it makes a massive difference, doesn't it? I think I think starting yeah. starting a day that way, um, yeah. it's, it's almost like sometimes the the, the day is even won or lost before you get out of bed, depending on <laughs> depending on where your mind goes and depending on who you choose to focus on first. So so yeah, I think yeah. I think these disciplines are are really important. And and <clears throat> you might not have an answer to this question, Jamie. But do you do you have any do you have any thoughts just briefly on that in with regard to this kind of age of distraction that we live in oh, yeah so yeah. i'm specifically thinking you know for for myself but also like for perhaps teenage teenagers or children who who want to spend time with god but think oh i might have a look at this on on the ipad or or might <laughs> might or might fiddle around with this on the phone or whatever it might be because that yeah. that's a it's always you know distraction has always been a challenge but it's it's huge now yeah, it's, I think the thing is, yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think the thing is, it's about prior, priorities, isn't it? Um, if you do things as soon as you get up and you do it, you do it every single day in the same way, then you will end up doing it most of the time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like I get up 
in the morning. Uh, it varies. What, what, it varies. what time? Dare I, dare I ask? Yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. So it varies whether I'm whether I'm um, working out or not. If I'm working out, I get up earlier. So if I'm working out, I get up at five o'clock. If I'm not, then half past five or quarter to six, depending on how how heavy the the night before has been. If you see what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I sometimes I let it run to six, or you know, um, if 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 something bad has happened, like I've had a bad night's sleep or something. Or sometimes there are disasters, like last night where I was awake for four hours in the middle of the night. Uh, but that's a, that's an exception. So yeah, so so like definitely um, definitely most of the time no later than six, but but um, no earlier than five normally. So um, that's yeah, yeah. So get up early, and then the first thing I do is make myself some coffee, and then I uh, say uh, at the moment I say morning prayer, which is mm-hmm. you know, similar uh, kind of kind of thing, except it's slightly more liturgical, but it still involves scripture and prayer and everything like that. So that's what I do every morning. That's what I've been doing for years. You know, first thing in the morning, coffee and uh, my devotional time. The thing about distraction is these things are insidious. You know, I've got one right here. Yes. And it's, I think I think I've actually got it on. I think I've got it on airplane mode at the moment. That's a that's a good that's a good thing, by the way. Um, you know, uh, we need to take control of this technology because otherwise it will control us. It, so, even uh, the government can't get you on that one, can they? On airplane mode. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I turned their I turned their um, their Orwellian notification yes. or whatever it was um, alarm um, testing thing off. So I didn't I didn't hear it. Although the Sainsbury's man was delivering um, groceries to my house at the time, and his his phone was uh, going off, and he was completely perplexed by what was going on. Uh, that's that's by the by. Anyway, the point is, we've got to take we've got to take control of these things. Okay, so I mean, if I was to give people some advice about this. Um, turn your phone off or put it on uh, airplane mode when you're sleeping. You know, do not have your phone on when you're asleep. Mm. You know, it's just that that is number one. And, and lots of people do that. Lots of people have their phone on so that they can be notified what, you know, in the night, which is crazy, but it's true. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is don't switch it on. Like when you when you get up, don't switch on first thing. Um, I mean, if you can, you know, have it in another room or something like that. But um but you know, just don't don't switch it off airplane mode, and and then do what you need to do first thing, and then it won't you know those distractions won't get in, and it is very insidious. It's very tempting to just think, well, you know, I'll just check my uh, you know, just honestly, there are so many things I could check. Mm. I've got three mail accounts, I've got a Signal account, I've got a Telegram account, I've got a Patreon account, I've got two Twitter accounts. You know, there's probably loads. That's just off the top of my head. I've got load. There are loads of things you could just go round and round and round yeah. checking things yeah. along. Um, you know, you've got to take control of it. So especially first thing in the morning. And as you say, um, as you say, uh, Tim, you're exactly right. The way you start your day off then determines how the rest of the day is going to go. So if you start off with checking lots, checking, 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 that pattern will likely continue as you as you go through the day. It's harder to break away from it if you've if you've started the day off like that. But if you started the day in control, it's then easier to have that level of control. So one of the things I do sometimes, which I think is quite helpful, is if I'm doing too much, you know, if I feel like I'm doing too much checking, doing something like having um, a digital fast, you know, in the morning or something like that, no Mm -hmm. checking anything until um, midday or something like that. And that's for me, that's quite helpful sometimes if I'm like preparing a sermon or something. So I don't want my mind to be filled with this this stuff i want to be focused on things so, so not checking you know till lunchtime or something like that that's quite helpful and then also that kind of legitimizes it because 
then you're in a situation where, well, I've done my time where I'm not looking at it. Now I'm almost, it's almost like you give yourself a little treat almost because it's interesting. That's why you check it. It's interesting. Yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not a bad, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's, 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 it's cool to get messages from people and to see what people are, uh, are saying to you. It's, it's a nice thing. So, so try and make it like seem, seem like a more positive thing rather than this sort of guilty pleasure that you're constantly indulging in, like, you know, stealing sweeties from the cupboard or something like that. <laughs> and then um, having a day off, I think is really important. Like on my, uh, on my day off, my day off is Monday. So on Mondays, I try not to check anything at all. Just not, not anything. I mean, I don't always get that um, because sometimes I fall into it, particularly if I'm tired or if I'm grumpy or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, trying to have a day off is, is really helpful. So taking control of the thing. And I think this is so, this is so crucial for young young uh, younger people than me as well because i think i'm i mean i didn't grow up with this so i don't know what i don't know i think young people their brains are so probably so hardwired they're probably so addicted to these things that they need to they need to really if they're going to get um if they're going to get a control of it it probably you know is going to take a, a huge amount of effort to to actually master the thing but it's it's just that thing you know it's it's the apostle peter isn't it um uh, you know, if, if if anything overcomes a person to that thing, the person is enslaved. So we don't want to be enslaved to the technology. We want to be masters of the technology. We don't want the technology to master us. So, yeah, totally, mm. totally. Yeah. I think yeah, that's that's really, it's really good good advice, um, Helen. Yeah. One of the, one of the yeah, things that um, I say to young people is you must have a physical Bible, have an actual yeah. Bible, yeah. and. Yeah. Um, don't you know not that there's no place you may sometimes need to use your phone with a bible app or whatever but particularly for morning devotions I think use an actual physical bible and then you can leave your phone in a drawer or whatever and focus on scripture I find myself I've I've, I've got to confess now and Jamie I have no no clue as to what you do here but um, (laughs) I find myself feeling slightly judgmental when I see somebody go up to the front of church to read the Bible and they get their phone out to read the Bible (laughs) there's a bit bit inside me that's a little bit angry at that point and it shouldn't be like that but anyway but yeah I mean I I agree I mean that wouldn't happen in our church and there would definitely be some there would definitely be some raised eyebrows if if that happened so um, um, I'm, I'm with you there Obviously, there's grace for everyone, but it it is a value thing. Like, you know, the the Bible is not just something you have on your. It's not an app on your phone. Yeah, you know, it's, no. it's the Word of God. You know, and it needs to be. It needs to be. Um, uh, it needs to be presented like that. Yes. In church, you know, if you take my meaning, it can't. Yeah. It can't just be this thing. I think there's also a kind of flippancy, you know, to mm. doing that kind of thing as well. Mm. I don't like it when people do things like uh, preach off iPads as well. Maybe it's just like a personal taste thing, but I just think yeah. there's something about it which comes across like a little bit half-assed. If you see what I mean, like, yeah. like mm. I yeah. just get my phone out of my pocket, or I just get my iPad out, just like typed a few notes in, and I haven't really sat down and, and written anything out. Again, that's probably judgmentalism, but, you know. Well, I was thinking the same of me that I I get, um, I have this slightly guilty feeling when um, someone gets up like that and I'm sort of half hoping that they might run out of battery. Like, (laughs) where's your pieces of paper? Yeah, but but again, it's also, the value thing, it also relates to what we're talking about, doesn't it? Because if you want to convey to your um, children, as as I certainly do, and I again I fail at this a lot. But if you want to convey to them that these this technology is not controlling you and that you're not addicted to it, um, that's that's not really the way to do it. By reading reading scripture from a phone in church, mm. that's saying like, well, even in church, I can't I can't disconnect myself from this device. You know, mm. you want to you want to you want to convey to them naturally like the Bible is the Bible is more important than my phone. You know, it supersedes 
uh, anything else uh, and i don't i'm i'm for this time my you know technology is is an irrelevance to me because it's you know it's it's inappropriate to the setting so i think it is it is like it's a pedagogical thing it's about what you're teaching people through your actions yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah that is so, that's so important yeah so on on that note because i wanted to ask you jamie a bit about um family life and i know you're married with young children um yeah. and whether you think the church does enough to teach young people about marriage and raising children um well i mean uh, uh, the church um the, what the church how the church approaches this varies quite a lot um i mean just to speak for my own for my own church the church of england um yeah i mean i think we're in crisis over these i think we're in absolute crisis over this situation and i can't i can't speak um to the sort of free church evangelical world as much as i would have been able to once but um it, it, one of the things i would say is that I have been surprised at how this sort of progressive ideology, you know, the woke ideology, whatever you want to call it, how much purchase it actually seems to me to have had in the evangelical world, because mm. I wasn't, and I'd say the same thing about the COVID thing as well. Um, when I was really deep in it, and as I say, I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't disparage it. I learn an awful lot and I take a lot of it with me into my life now every day. Um, but when I was deep in it, it seemed to me that it was pretty much impervious to the culture. You know, I I um, I remember the the uh, game. Um, what was it? Was it? Um, I think it was probably civil partnership thing coming in, yeah. which was probably about ten plus years ago now. Um, but I remember the the church being just absolutely unanimously against it. You know, just just I mean, in a way which would probably seem quite quite extreme even to people like me nowadays it wasn't it, there was no there was no truck with it at all it was there was no um sort of um there was no no sense in which anyone would countenance the idea that it was it was even an issue of, of fairness in society or something like that it was just that like, people just thought well this is sin this is wrong uh this shouldn't happen and everyone thought it and that was just the way you know it's just an example of the way the church the evangelical churches that i was part of just wouldn't have countenanced anything of this sort um because you know it's against the word of god it's against scripture it's 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 not the will of god we know it clearly that's the end of the discussion so that's that's kind of what i would have expected i think you know with with certainly with the progressive um stuff that's that's become so much more prevalent over the last you know five six seven years or so but i think it has i think there's been a lot of permutation of these values into the evangelical sphere i mean not mm. totally um but but in 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 many cases i mean if you take uh the evangelical world in um the church of england the charismatic evangelical world of the church of england you know places like htb and and, and churches like this um which have done so much so much good and i really mean that you know through i'm, I'm a huge fan of of, of the alpha course as a, as a as a sort of vehicle for evangelism and everything like that but really it's just totally inculcated in this in this ideology so um mm. i think we've got i think we've got a i think we've got a serious challenge on our hands here and i guess mm. you know helen long 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 answer cut a bit short but I, I guess we've got a really we're really not doing great uh in generally speaking and uh we need to do a lot better but i i guess the thing the thing i would say is that i think that this is a this is a war you know this is a yeah. this is a battle for the truth and it's a battle um not just for some kind of you know abstract standard that that God calls us to, but it's a it's a battle for our 
for our future as a, as as the church and as as humanity because i i really believe that what's going on is a is a pernicious and diabolical attack on particularly on 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 children i mm. think children are children are the target children are in the crosshairs of the enemy and um you know we need um as as christians we need to be we need to stop being so naive and we need to stop being so um well i don't know what what do we need to stop being we need to stop being so uh reluctant to engage you know and i think maybe i go maybe i go over the top but i just i think part of, i think part of the reason i speak so um so forthrightly is because i i mean i'm doing it on purpose because i want to give p- people permission to engage robustly with what's going yep. on and to yep. call it to call it out for what it actually is which is evil and uh, it's the work of satan so uh, you know that's that's the reason I, I speak like this is the time for the time for sort of you know constructive dialogue or you know um, gentle engagement with the culture is is over you know mm. the enemy is at the gates so I'm, I know I'm being quite abstract here but that's 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 what I feel on this that that, that no that that makes that makes perf- perfect sense and I, th- I think yeah sadly I think there is there is a kind of unfortunately a naivety and and a lack of. Um, biblical depth in the church which has kind of led to led to this yeah. led to this just happening and people just accepting it on worldly terms and it's it's crazy yeah. really why i mean just let me just ask you this because it's interesting to talk about it but why do you think that this is this has happened because you know for me it's i mean my my you know i haven't really gone into my journey how i've become a kind of high church anglican but um certainly like my my younger time uh younger time my um earlier time as a christian it was all about scripture it was all about faithfulness to scripture it was all about you know what does god want from us uh it was all about you know very 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 clear on on matters of, of sexuality and marriage and family mm. uh you know all of this stuff was really really clear so how how has this how has this happened is it because is it because evangelical i mean obviously speaking generalizations here but is it because evangelicals aren't actually as as um as biblically knowledgeable you know i in my context i would say you know they haven't been sort of catechized to the extent that that perhaps we assumed or i don't know i mean how 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 is it actually how is this happening do you think i wonder if it's to do this idea of um wanting to be winsome right what wanting to wanting the church to be attractive to people outside of it in wanting to evangelize i wonder okay. if that's been okay. part yeah. of the problem yeah and then not wanting to upset people wanting to um yeah. okay yeah yeah accept people for who they are which is yeah. fine to a point but then if it leads you to be unwilling to say this is right this is wrong yeah yeah, that, that, I think that's, I think that yeah, I think that's to- totally right. I mean, what, one thing one thing that's really struck me over the last three years is particularly not not in every church, but we're gen- if I'm generalising here, but in most churches, if we take the issue of of COVID, churches mm-hmm. a lot of churches were very um, forthright and upfront about the fact. Look, we've got to we've got to close our doors. We've got to. Um, wear masks and distance when we do open our doors because COVID's dangerous, it can kill you. In other words, churches were very um, open about the problem and the danger in order to drive 
the drive and persuade and coerce people into obeying the rules. Yeah. If you flip that into what you know we read in our Bibles, the church churches will often preaching will will go along the lines of well. Jesus, Jesus loves you, which is true. God loves you, which is true. Um, God wants to be in relationship with you through Jesus Christ, yeah, which is true. But they, the, but they'll talk about the solution, but they won't talk about the problem. They won't. Mm. You will very rarely hear hell mentioned in churches. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're and, and I find this bizarre that that we have this like <laughs> enormous issue in regards to eternity, either with God or without God in hell and yet we don't mention the bad thing but somehow we want people to just accept the rescue plan with no, without knowing what they're being rescued from yeah which, so there's no there's no talk of judgment and and it minimizes God's mercy it minimizes his grace it minimizes his love and yeah. and I think we've yeah I mean there was, I was I was talking to my wife last night and she was saying how she's listening to somebody say well God, you know, it's, it's saying to not this evangelist or preacher or whoever it was was saying to saying to somebody who doesn't know Christ, you know, God accepts you as you are. I'm thinking, does he? Yeah. Does he? What kind? What kind of weird gospel's that? <laughs> if God it's accepts me as I are, I don't need Christ. You know. Yeah, that's kind of become the gospel, hasn't it? Mm. And I think the thing about the, this whole thing is, is, is there's a perniciousness to it because there's an element of truth in in all of it, isn't there? Of course. Mm. Um, Yes. God loves us. Yes. God loves us as we are as sinners. And mm. you know that that is the message of the gospel is that we're sinful and God loves us anyway and he sent Christ to die for us so that our sin can be atoned for and removed from us and so that we can be forgiven. Um but we have to be sorry for our sin. Mm. You know that's the mm. thing which is yes. that's the yeah. thing which is left out, isn't it? It's like it's a twisting of of something which is which is true which, and and beautiful. Um, of course, it's a it's a beautiful thing, you know. My chains fell off, my heart was free. That's a beautiful thing, but you have to you have to um, believe that you were you were enslaved to sin in the first place, and you have to want to be free of it. You know, it's it's what you're describing. I think Tim is 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 cheap grace. You know, it's Bonhoeffer's um, concept of, of cheap grace, and I think you know, Helen, your your comment is is really perceptive that. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's right. And maybe that's maybe that's the sort of um maybe that's a not so brilliant part of of the sort of alpha type model, the alpha course type model, because you know, that is a very um, you know, it's a very uh, gentle and it's, in some ways it's a very soft way of bringing people in and introducing mm -hmm. them to uh, the Christian faith. But I would I would say I think it's also a context in which these kind of um well, let's say the sort of more challenging or confrontational side of Christianity is probably somewhat downplayed. And, um, you know, I think what I've found and this is, uh, you know, this is a, this is a great this is a great thing. You know, this is this is exciting to me since since we started the Reverend podcast, um, you know, two, two and a half years ago now. Um, what I've found is that there there are people out there. There are lots and lots of people out there who want to know the truth mm -hmm. and they want to know the, the the whole truth the full truth they're not interested in this this um this lame uh watered down version of christianity in fact not many people are really interested in that version of christianity at all and you can see that in the decline of of liberal yeah. Um, yeah parts of the church you know people want to know the truth and people you know 
we under we underestimate how robust people actually are mm. and how much they can how much they 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 can actually handle definitely um, you know the 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 response that we've had uh, through a reverend has been has been so heartening you know i, I saw um on uh, this isn't somebody responding to a reverend but it's kind of indicative of the, the response we often get i saw someone on twitter a couple of days ago saying something like <clears throat> i'm a, i think he said i'm a gay atheist uh, and I'm a Democrat, but it's an American. Uh, uh, but I'm so disturbed by um, can't remember the exact phrase he used. But I'm so disturbed by the 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 uh, attack on on childhood innocence that I'm seeing all around me that I want to go to church. And then his his question was, you know, what should I look for? And that that kind of epitomizes the the um, the response that we often get from from irreverent uh, listeners. It's like people know that sin is real they know that evil is real they, they know sin is real and they know they're sinners uh they know evil is real they know there is a they know that there is a dark spiritual force in the world because they can they can perceive it they can feel it and they want to know the light and that and and it's our it's our job to it's our job to introduce them to the light and that's a great that's a great thing but we have to be honest about this you know this this world is a this world is like C.S. Lewis said it's enemy occupied territory it's a battleground yeah, yeah. It's, you know we're wrestling against the the principalities and powers of darkness you know not not flesh and blood but the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms as the apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians so you know that's that's what you know that's the message that we need to to proclaim as the church and the frustrating thing to me is with the Church of England you just see just Pardon me. Endless, endless capitulations to the culture, endless capitulations to the to the folly and destruction that we see all around us. There was just one yesterday which came out too late for us to um, to include it in our show this week. But it was this this report. I didn't even know it was happening. This report on families or something that the the Church of England has just released. I haven't I haven't read it. I've just seen little extracts, but basically saying basically minimizing the importance of of marriage um, and, and Seriously, to, to family life, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, saying you know, marriage is just one form of of um, of family life, and there are lots of people cohabiting who are who are you know have great loving relationships, and really it's all about love and blah blah blah, and just it's just a complete capitulation to wow. the diabolical agenda to destroy the family as yeah. as God's intention. Yeah for the the union of, of men and women in sexual relationships and and the raising of children uh, they will not say it. they will not tell the truth about marriage even though it's still our you know this these are our formularies they are they're still the official doctrine of the of the church of england in in um, the book of common prayer and in, in common worship uh you know we still have an orthodox doctrine of marriage in the church of england but they will not stand by it they won't proclaim it because they want to be well, you know, it's not for me to judge, is it ultimately, but it looks for all the world like they want the world to accept them and it will not work. And it just seems so obvious. It's so it's so obvious. It's so obvious that, that you know, this is not what we're called to. If the world hates you, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. A pupil is not above his master. You know, Jesus told us that the world would hate us. He mm. didn't tell us to go and and seek the approval of the world and and to tickle the ears of, of all the people around us and tell us how they're really tell them that they're really just you know they're 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 doing really well and we've got nothing to <laughs> offer them and blah blah blah. And apart from anything else, you know, and this is probably the more sort of fleshly part of me. So forgive me. 
But apart from anything else, I'm just disgusted by the weakness of it. I have to say, and I think lots of men feel the same way. Like men don't respond to weakness. Men respond to strength. They do. And I, I think that's why you see the popularity of people like, you know, your Andrew Tate's or your, your Jordan Peterson's. Or when I was a child, not a child, when I was a young adult, um, Mark Driscoll, you know, yeah. if you remember. It's strength. You know, it's masculine strength that, that men respond to. They want to rise to it. And when you see men rising to it, rising to the challenge, then then you see then you see greatness and it's inspirational. But what we have from the Church of England is just, you know, it's just the complete is the complete opposite of that. Anyway, sorry, I've just gone uh, uh, ranting. No, no, no. That, that's 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 really helpful. And 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 I think it's sadly it's not it's not um, limited to the Church of England either. Um, and it's interesting you mentioned about the masculinity because I think Helen and I we touched on this. I can't remember if it was the last podcast or one before that, but there there is that reality of a an onslaught on on the things of god mm, the church yeah. and 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 it's the the mul- it's coming in at multiple angles you know you've got the onslaught against the family but there's also been an onslaught against masculinity which has started yeah. a long time ago yeah um and yeah. Uh, yeah and and we're seeing we're seeing now where that ends up i think yeah because we we talked about we talked about when i was at university we we, we talked about men being blokes yeah, you didn't you yeah. didn't have you didn't have a man that was like oh that's a bit too serious you know the blokes yeah. well now look where we are you know yeah. it and in church in church leadership so maybe we'll touch on this in a bit that that's I think there's a there's a question that doesn't go away on that one um, yeah as well yeah actually <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah I mean look I mean I I try and uh, on on the podcast and and in general in my sort of public engagement I try and I try and keep things like what I consider to be a kind of small o orthodox Christianity because I want to be as uh, embracing of different types of Christians as I possibly yeah. can and I yep. hope, I hope that I hope that sort of evangelicals and people like that think that about me as well because if they came to my church they'd probably find some of it a bit shocking and and um <laughs> you know they, they'd have questions about it indeed you know tom pelham my co-host would would uh, you know think that some of the things i do are, are not right um but um i'm with you on i'm i'm with you on that on that issue and i i i believe that um you know, I, I believe in the words of scripture. I believe that, you know, the husband is is uh, the head of the wife. And I believe that the that God calls uh, men to be um, uh, bishops and priests in, in the church. I just think that's the scriptural reality. I think that's what Christ uh, revealed by choosing 12 male apostles. Um, so, as I say, I know that there are Christians of good conscience who who um, see things differently. But to me, it's all it's all of a piece. You know, I'm, I'm on the same page. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. These are things that we need to be talking about and I get very frustrated when when they're not being talked about and we're not grappling with them. I think it's really important. And just going back to um children and it's something Tim and I've talked about a lot. Um the battleground very much is in the schools. We're seeing yeah. it with secondary school. I know I think I'm right you're you're planning to have started homeschooling your children if if I had my time again and my children were little that's what I would do things have changed dramatically since our children started at primary school um and it absolutely is a battleground now um yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. what what are your thoughts on on that yeah well I mean I'm with you um absolutely 100% Helen yeah we've got four children we're planning on homeschooling them um, and um, no intention at this stage, at least, to send them to any kind of school. I'm not saying that, um, you know, I would, I would, um, 
I'm, I'm not speaking against school in general because there are good schools out there. I'm, I'm sure, you know, we've got good links with the King Alfred School uh, in Dudley um, through through the podcast, which is a which is a classical Christian um, school where they're offering that sort of education. And I know other people are engaged in that. So, you know, sometimes that's that's a good thing and that's appropriate for families. But that's, you know, uh, the, the main thing, the main thing I would say about this is I, I think that um uh, I'm on completely the same page as you, Helen. I think people with young kids now, if you're if you're you you're just having kids and they're you know they're one, two, three years old or whatever, you can't just send them to school. You you just can't do that as a Christian because they're going to be eaten alive. You know they they are going to be eaten alive and they're going to be um, they're going to be inculcated with the the progressive ideology and it's it the way it seems at the moment is just going to get worse and worse and worse. So uh, you you have to think this through carefully. Things aren't the same as when I was you know, when I was a child, you know, I mm. first went to school just over 30 years ago and it, things have changed, as you say, things have changed enormously. So people just have to, people just have to think it through. And homeschooling is a great option. Uh, you know, homeschooling, again, is, is one of these things where, you know, the sort of prevailing narrative about homeschooling is literally the opposite of the truth. And in my, in my opinion, I think it, in many ways, it's quite obviously the opposite of the truth. If you take the, the, the most common thing that people say about it is this issue of socialization, you know, they say, well, you know, don't kids need to go and meet other kids and be socialized? <laughs> mm. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be rude. Um, and I'm sure your, your children are an exception, but if you look at like the, the social skills of your average 15 year old, who's been to a, a, a state comprehensive in our country, mm. are you really holding that up as some kind of example of, of somebody who's been well socialized or, you know, cultivated manners or, or whatever it might be? It's, it's just a joke. And, and actually what happens when you send kids to school is, is they're, they're socialized by their peer group. They're socialized yeah. by people who are the same age as them. And those people could be absolutely anyone. And nowadays, those people very likely have smartphones and they can access pornography on it and they can do X, Y, and Z. And you've got no control over any of it. Whereas in, in a homeschool setting, um, your, your kids are socialized by their parents. So people who are older than them, uh, by their parents' friends. Uh, and by their their um, siblings who are of different ages and through other children who they come into contact with through the homeschool community. So you have all of this, um, you have all of this, um, this diversity in terms of who they're interacting with. They're not just in a, in a, in a classroom with 14, 14 of their peers who are the same age as them, but they're, they're acting, interacting with adults and, and children of different ages. And, you know, actually, if you were to look at it just free of bias, you would say, well, which one of those is a more sort of natural uh, form of socialization? And yet this 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 sort of myth persists of I think it's a demonic thing, really. I think it's it's a kind of um, it's a blindness that or it's a it's a it's a it's a deception. You know, this myth that, oh, you know, homeschool kids are, are, are not are not well socialized or whatever. Um, you know, I just think that all the homeschool kids that I know are you know are remarkably well socialized for their age um mm. because because they're in this kind of um this kind of environment that i'm talking about so yeah i mean i've got lots more thoughts but yeah i'm, I'm very very pro homeschooling and and taking taking charge of of your kids education for sure i think it's essential mm. just thinking about um <laughs> equipping children to to live in what we would say is our post-christian world post-truth yeah. world maybe yeah. um yeah. i mean how do we build critical thinking um in our children because that that's not happening in the schools um you yeah. know we're trying our best to do that within the home yeah. um i'm not sure it's even happening in many churches 
yeah i mean i i you 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 guys probably know more than me because i'm really at the outset of this um this process you know our oldest child is six mm-hmm. uh, he's coming up seven in a few months but i mean you know what we're trying to do is well i mean this is the way i see it you'd have to ask lorna you know what how she does and and, and she's ultimately in charge of the more formal aspect of, of what we're doing anyway which is which is quite minimal at this stage but um, you know what the way I think of it is I'm just trying to um, I'm just I'm just trying to pass on what I know and what what I consider to be valuable to my kids as much as I can possibly do you know so at the moment um, you know one of the things I do for example is I I read to them um, in the morning because I have breakfast with them most days so you know we've read through the whole of the Narnia series over the past year oh excellent seven Narnia books we just finished that we just started reading The Hobbit um and I you know I try and engage them um in in worthwhile and meaningful discussions and to talk through issues now obviously they're six and under at the moment so so it's limited as to what to what we can actually do but I hope to be able to do that kind of thing more and more to develop their critical faculties through through conversation you know so that's that's the main thing at the moment and i guess as they get older we, you know we we might branch out into more sort of formal things but i don't know you 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 share your thoughts with me cuz i I'm, i need to learn i need to work out what i'm going to do well i think i w- i would say that um talking and having discussions with your mm. children uh, around the dinner table whatever opportunity you have i think is really important and yeah. that's certainly Definitely. what we try to do and having um others who who are thinking the same and engaging with them we tim and i we try and get our families together i'm very fortunate i have my sisters are local and their children so we've got quite a a network and and i would absolutely agree with what you said jamie about um children engaging with other age groups older children younger children adults that's that's really important which is what i would hope happens in church for us it happens within our extended family as well um, yeah. that's really really important for their development yeah yeah def- definitely I, I think um the like Helen was saying just having conversations around the, the dinner table that's a key thing for us each day like ha- what's happened at, s- at school when we you know both both my boys are at secondary school now and um <clears throat> it, it, it's 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 been an eye-opener to actually hear about the the kind of the sheer level of indoctrination that takes place in secondary mm. school um yeah. to, to the point actually where my eldest is 15, he's doing GCSEs, and my, my young boy's 12. And my eldest said the other day, he said, you know what, mum and dad, if, if, if um, you know, young, young brother was still still at uh, primary school, I think you should homeschool him rather than let him come yeah. to secondary school now because it's changed so much in the time that he, the eldest has been at secondary school. Yeah. So I yeah. think I think what we're trying, what often try to say to boys is like, find out what's happened today i think having those conversations is so important keeping those lines yeah. of communication open um and and helping them understand not only what they believe but why they believe it and, mm. and i think yeah. that that kind of depth to, to it's not just a surface belief there's a reason why you think that that you know <laughs> you, you don't you you know, a married couple is a man and a woman, for example, yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or that you can't just change your gender on a on a whim. There's a reason why you think that, not just not just the fact that you think that that's wrong. Um, yeah. So I think those are really really important. Yeah. But I think the other thing I would say, and this this is the I suppose slightly more painful thing, and I remember having this conversation with my 
uh, pastor in my church a while ago is that is it often feels like when you go to church on a Sunday morning that there is, that there's a lack of commonality there's a lack of shared values and okay. it can feel like when you go to church it's it, it, it's almost like an extension of the week the, the week in church and right. and I think for young people now it's so important that when they come to church that is almost like in the right use of the word a safe place for them where they do um mix with others who have the shared value of yeah. what's right and wrong that's based on mm-hmm. what the bible says not what the word says and you're not you're not going to agree about absolutely everything we're never going to do that but that's fine but having a, i think that there is a there's a real issue there and we've slept yeah. walked into that as, yeah. as a church we've not clocked that and yeah so it's, i think that this issue of catechesis is um is is absolutely crucial you know teaching teaching the faith intentionally teaching the faith mm. um and this is something I, i've been thinking through this quite a lot recently so i'm about to start my first sort of proper vicar job soon because i'm just a curate at the moment um so i do all this stuff but i'm not i'm not in charge of the church um but it's something that i'm trying to think about and i also i want to help people who listen to our show as well because lots of them are people who want to be christians but they don't really yeah. know where to start or what to do mm. Um, in terms of like the catechetical side of things, I think back to my, you know, my early days and I was, um, I, I was a, like a self-starter, you know, I've always been like that. So I did it, I did it myself. Like I just got, you know, I just listened to stuff on the internet and, and just started reading the Bible and I mean, I, I, lots of people were, were like that around me. So I, I haven't quite worked out, you know, what, what form it takes yet, but I think at the very least there needs to be some kind of intentional uh, catechetical um regular catechetical um teaching and instruction in in church which goes beyond just the sermon on on sunday you mm. know whether it's an hour a week or something like that um and it could take in it could take in um i mean it's a big task this is this is a big task because it could take in you know learning scripture and theology but it could also it, it would also need to take in apologetics and cultural issues and things like that so I, I think that that's, you know, I, I um, one of the podcasts I've listened to occasionally is um, William Lane Craig's uh, Defenders podcast, which okay. is this um, this Sunday school he runs, you know, this um, for people who don't know, he's an American uh, apologist and, and an academic and generally all around very, very bright person. Uh, and he runs a Sunday school where he goes through. I don't know. Have you ever come across? This? No, no. We'll have to have a look. Well, he goes through, it's a, it's a systematic theology, basically, and he goes through it in, in a huge amount of detail, as you can as you can imagine, mm-hmm. and he engages people in conversation and he brings in cultural issues and, and philosophical and um, apologetical issues as well. And he does, I think he does it, you know, when he's doing it, he do, does it every week or whatever, and they last about an hour. It takes a high degree of specialization to be able to do something like that. You know, hardly anyone could do it, it because it's so because it's so detailed but i think we need to at least be thinking along those sorts of lines you know catechizing regularly teaching um discussing these issues uh engaging with apologetics issues engaging with cultural issues in an explicit way somehow in church mm-hmm. uh with with across the board but you know with with kids as well so there's i mean that's that's what i think we need to be doing but i don't really know to just be perfectly honest, I don't really know how how to go about doing that in everyday ministry at the moment. Yeah. What what, what do you, what do you say this this chap's name was? William Lane Craig. William Lane Craig. Okay. 
No, okay. you not heard of him? No, no. We'll, uh, we'll have to search him out. We'll put a link in the in the notes. He runs a he runs a, a ministry called Reasonable Faith, and he's I think he's a Baptist. You know, he's some he's some kind of like low church American evangelical. Um, but he's yeah, I mean he's a, he's a brilliant man. You know, I I don't agree with him about about everything, but he's had he's had he debates as well. He's had some fantastic debates. Um, one of my favourites was a debate he had with Christopher Hitchens, which you can watch on on youtube he's a fantastic debater he's now an oh, wow. analytical philosopher so he he absolutely takes no prisoners um it's his, his some of his debates are really quite extraordinary yeah it's definitely worth checking out okay brilliant we'll we'll have we'll have a look on that one um look we're we're aware of the, the time jamie so we'll kind of we'll slowly kind of bring this into the the landing <laughs> pattern as it as it were uh, but i wanted to just touch on um as as we come into land on i suppose yeah the 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 Church, Church of England, the challenges and the opportunities and, and, and where you see it heading, because things have been in the news recently, not mainstream news, of course, but, but mm, other yeah. news sources are available um, about you know the GAFCON conference, for example, and the statement they put out, um, which is quite, is quite something. Um, yeah. Do you have, yeah, I know it's a big subject, but, but briefly, do you have some kind of headline thoughts on this? Yeah, well, um, so it depends on what angle we want to go from, but I suppose the my my overall take, as I've as I've implied already, is that the 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 direction that the majority of the bishops in the Church of England um, is going in uh, is is the wrong direction, and that I mean I agree I agree with the statements that have been made uh, that have come out of the the Gafcon conference. I I think that the bishops do need to repent. Um, and they need to um, they need to uh, be faithful to the word of God and the historic teaching of the Christian faith. So mm. um, just to be absolutely clear about that, that's that's my that's my view. Um, the the question is, you know, given well, one of the questions is given this situation that we're in, where the majority of bishops are either promoting this um, this heresy and error or being uh, going along with it in some way, uh, what do we what do we do? as ordinary believers and ministers within the church of england and uh my my hope and my exhortation is that that faithful believers in the church of england remain within the church of england and seek to exert a godly influence as much as they possibly can it might be it might come to a time when it's it's not it's you know it's literally not possible to do that anymore but i i believe that i'm called to commit myself to this church Mm -hmm. to commit my to commit my life to it until it until it becomes clear to me that that you know that that's not that's not tenable anymore and if we if faithful orthodox believers in the church of england leave then we really will be abandoning the flock to the wolves so um so i don't believe that's what we're called to do faithful orthodox believers within the church stay in the church and and profess the faith you know speak the truth what we're what we are what we're faced with is uh an institutional uh, crisis. I think it's. I think it's tantamount to an institutional apostasy. But um, the Church of England um, is a legitimate part of Christ's Church. It's been a faithful witness to the truth of the gospel uh, for well, for I would argue for fifteen hundred years, as long as as long as we've had this kind of institutional Christianity in 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 England. But but certainly since the Reformation, certainly since the the sixteen hundreds, um, uh, and and. And God has done wonderful things through through this church, and so this is why I one of the reasons I'm so reluctant to abandon it because yeah. it's it's a wonderful church with with um, 
with great spirituality and and wonderful saints and uh, beautiful, godly, uplifting, enriching spiritual uh, liturgy and, and a tradition of spirituality and theology and devotional writings. And we we shouldn't we shouldn't lightly abandon it. We should we should contend for it. Uh, and we should keep going and and we need to have faith you know i don't know what's going to happen i don't know what's going to happen maybe the church will continue to decline i was thinking about this actually last night while i was awake um trying to get my daughter to sleep and and really just it almost it struck me in a, in a new way it's funny how sometimes these things do but you know this statistic which i've been aware of for a while that in the early 90s um 1.2 million people were attending church of england churches mm-hmm. on sundays and and now at least i don't know when it was one or two years ago but no it was probably more it was actually before the pan the uh in inverted commas the pandemic <laughs> um it was it, it must have been before that because things have got even worse since then but uh, you know let's say four years ago there were six hundred thousand people attending church of england churches so you know we were told that well, all we need to do is just become more progressive. We need to do certain things which will, uh, you know, make us more relevant in the eyes of the world, blah, blah, blah. And then the world will love us and people come to our churches. And what, what happens is complete opposite. Mm, you know? mm. And that's that's what um, that's, you know, well, it's entirely consistent with with what I believe about this, which is that God blesses faithfulness and he, he doesn't bless unfaithfulness. Um and also that it's just you know nobody's interested in 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 uh, liberal um, Christianity because it's absolutely pointless. But anyway, the the point I'm making is, last night I was thinking about this and it just struck me that the Church of England, if it carries on like this, it will cease to exist, not just within my lifetime, but it will cease to exist um, within my working life. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm uh, 36, so in in 30 years. In another thirty years, well, if there's a further fifty percent decline, um, then we're we're going to be looking at a church that's well. I mean, it's not even clear what the numbers are post COVID, but you know, let's say it's like four hundred and fifty thousand because it suffered a massive hit because of yeah. COVID. Well, yeah. because of the response to COVID, it's four hundred fifty thousand now. It's another fifty, another fifty percent decline. We're going to be talking about numbers of two hundred twenty-five thousand or something like that. You know, it's too small to really run an uh, uh, an institutional church like this. We're going to see um, we're going to see institutional collapse. It's just no other. There's no other way of looking at it. And that's that. The writing's on the wall. You know that this is why this is why um, one of the reasons why. I mean, it's an earthly reason why. You know, the bishops they need to wake up. They yeah. need to wake up and stop pretending. You know, yeah. this church is in institutional crisis, and we are going to see it. We are going to see a, a total collapse. And and people like me, uh, you know, because. Uh, up and down the country, we're not going to have jobs anymore. We're not going to have vocations within the Church of England because there won't be a Church of England. And like I say, I think it's it's God's judgment. You know, it's God's righteous judgment upon the church mm. for, for what we're doing. And I haven't even got into. I was on. Um, I did a podcast with Nick Dixon yesterday. I was really, really went into a big rant about this. But <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, when you consider the complicitness of the Church of England in the transgender ideology and oh, the. Man, the, yeah. the mm the destruction and mutilation of the bodies and and identities of children it's we need to repent of yes this. we need yeah. to repent you know there's no there's nothing else i can say about this this is a participation in in a diabolical attack on children and the church is abetting it mm. it's 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 we are incurring the judgment of god so anyway i guess you know i could go on about this but i guess my sort of summary is um total total realism about the the reality of the situation 
Um, it's it's absolutely dire from that perspective. Um, but there are faithful men and women within the Church of England. There are faithful ministers, you know, and a lot of the time they can't really sort of come out publicly and be clear about what they think. But they're, they're, they're there. They exist. I know lots of them. Um, there are lots of faithful believers in the Church of England, many, many faithful believers in the Church of England. So we have to stay in and we have to we have to contend as much as we possibly can um, and 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 pray and hope that out of the out of the remnant of this church, that God will do something amazing. But what that will be is, you know, I, I, it's not for me to say. So yeah. Do you think, Jamie, I mean, it is for those of us faithful Orthodox believers who are out there um is you know who many who feel isolated in their church or or who feel like I, I don't know what I mean for example for me I grew up in the Anglican church I'm not in it now but it feels like I I can't get it out of me I still would love to be in an Anglican church but for example my local Anglican church here um flies the Ukraine flag from the church tower which I can see for miles um I've sat through a sermon about climate change and us saving the planet rather than Jesus saving us. I went to a funeral there recently where we were effectively told we'll all we'll all be going to heaven. Um I right. I can't in good conscience, I can't go along to that church and be a part of it. I yeah. take myself off to um Evensong in my local abbey because there I don't have to sit through a woke sermon and I love <laughs> Evensong. Um yeah, but you know that's not really good enough, is it? But, but you know, maybe is there a way that we can we can find each other and congregate a bit and um, encourage one another? It's it's hard for people who are out there, aren't they, in those churches and who feel like they're on their own, uh, like they're yeah. awake and wanting to live for Christ. You know, really living yeah. for Christ and yeah, are struggling yeah. to do that, feeling alone. So, so Helen, just to be, just let me just clarify for myself before i answer what your question is is it is it that you're when you say is is there something that we can do to get together when you say we do you mean do you mean people who are sort of in a similar position that you've described that they want to sort of be part of the church of england but they but they don't you know they're surrounded by these sorts of churches that, that are inculcated with the progressive ideology or do you mean we more generally like sort of christians who are wanting to be faithful and orthodox but who are also aware of aware of the ideological attack on the church or what just to clarify well i think it i think it is both isn't it but yeah. but maybe particularly within the church of england and i know i've seen on the chats with people who listen to a reverend there's there's many there aren't there some who yeah. you know who have found i know when i first listened to your podcast it's like oh at last there's some vicars <laughs> who really get it and um yeah. you know and that's yeah. become a bit of a community in itself hasn't it yeah, it has. And and one of the things I'd like to do, which we spoke about at our last live event, but we haven't we haven't got any further with it, is um is to try and get some kind of um map on our website where where we can um almost like a kind of trip advisor for churches, but we wouldn't we wouldn't have <laughs> negative uh, reviews. It would just be uh, an opportunity for people to to put their put their church on the map and and to sort of affiliate it with with us. And you know, again, we wouldn't there wouldn't be you know, we're not we're not asking for for some kind of um, you know sta extreme standards of purity or something like that. All we want all we want is just for um, people who are broadly speaking Orthodox Christians to be able mm. to say that we've got a church here which is which is faithful and and if you're looking for a church of that sort, then 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 come along. Um, so I think maybe we might be able to do we might be able to do something like that for individual 
um, believers, you know, failing, having that kind of resource. Um, I, I come across this question all the time. It's probably the most sort of common thing that happens in terms of correspondence, people looking for people for looking for churches. Um, so, um, you know, I think that um, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend you, Helen, for example, going to your Church of England church you know, your local Church of England church. I, it's not It's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that people should go to churches like that because those churches are, you know, they, I mean, just um, speaking more generally here, not speaking specifically about the church that's close to you, um, but it may apply. This is a different religion, you know. Hmm. This, that's, that's all I can say is that it's a different religion. And there may be, there may be more, more extreme versions of it, but essentially that's what it is. It's a woke, progressive um you know neo neo-marxist ideologically possessed um religion and and it, and you're not going to be nourished spiritually if you if you go to a church like that so as much as i'm an advocate for the church of england and i believe in the church of england uh, for all sorts of reasons um nevertheless i wouldn't recommend people go to to churches where um a false a false gospel a false religion is is being proclaimed um but having said that, you might get lucky and you might be close to a Church of England church where it's not like that. And you actually have a faithful minister in the church who 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 is is um, doing the right thing before the Lord. So um, not everyone's fortunate enough to be in that position, but those people do exist. And all I, I guess the only thing I'm saying is like, just don't rule it out because it 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 could be the case that there's a there's a gem just down the road from you and you're just you're just unaware of it. So uh, yeah, I mean that's that's all I'm saying about that. And and then I guess the other thing I was saying is like if you are in a Church of England ch- church, and you are an Orthodox uh, believer, then please you know do your do your very very best to stay in there. And again, some if you loads of people are in terrible situations. You know, I, I get emails from people where they say, oh, you know, a certain type of rector has come to the church and they're doing X, Y, and Z, and it's painful. You know because. Mm. It, it it you as a as a member of the laity you know what can you actually do i mean the ultimately ultimately if you if you have somebody come in who's a false teacher um who's proclaiming a false gospel it's difficult isn't it mm. it's really really difficult and i don't want i don't want to t- tell people to leave but i totally understand why why people do and i you know i think in, in a lot of cases it's, it's the right decision so i think ultimately you know the final thing i say about this is this is a, this is a Again, it's a it's a matter of it's a matter of having faith, isn't it? It's a matter of prayer, asking the Lord to lead you to the right direction. You know that guy, um, what's his name? The um the guy who's he's he's like um he's a sort of philosophical thinker with a substack who Kingsnorth, Paul Paul Kingsnorth. Oh, Paul Kingsnorth. Who, yeah. He converted to Eastern Orthodoxy. And I was interesting listening to his sort of speaking about his journey, because one of the things he said which really struck me was um I prayed because you know, he didn't know what what to do about church and he said i prayed to god to send me a priest and then i met this you know i met this eastern orthodox priest or whatever and he's you know that's been the beginning <laughs> of his journey and um i mean i would say that wouldn't i because i'm a i am a priest but um you know <laughs> that's what i think people need to do i mean use whatever terminology you want but pray for a priest pray for a spiritual guide who somebody to come in and, and lead you because you know we we need we need that particularly when we're at the beginning of the journey we need someone to come in and take take us under their wing and, and to show us to show us the right way so pray for someone an actual physical person you know because you know I'm, I'm really i'm really grateful that people look to us um 
and you know we we often have people saying things you know like we started the shelf you know like with a sort of online vicar or you know online church or whatever but it, the, as great as that is it's it's not enough you know god's intention for us is that we would be a, a body of people who are gathered together to to offer him offer him uh the praise that his is due his his name and uh you know that was a lot of what the problem with with the covid situation was wasn't it, it was a denial of that reality of the embodied nature of the church and of the christian religion so yeah pray pray for god's guidance and have faith that that he'll respond to those prayers mm. brilliant well look jamie thank you so much for your time and it's been just been it's been fascinating to to speak with you and um there's so many things that we talked about that you know we'd love to go into more depth with you but but we can't because because of time and 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 but that's okay but um but look to just to finish with um where can people find you obviously if you just want to say where all the the different avenues people can find you at yeah yeah so um best place to go is just to our website which is irreverendpod.com so everything's on there so okay. we're on youtube we've got audio podcasts and everything like that um if you'd like to follow my Substack, you can do that as well uh jamiefranklin.substack.com i write about this kind of thing much more in my Substack than i talk about you know yeah. on the podcast um uh i give a lot of it away for free but it's also some of its subscription as well and it's not it's not um it's not some kind of um naked profiteering on my part because um the reason i'm the reason i've been doing this for a while now and the reason i'm um trying to monetize the podcast a bit more is because my next post that i've been describing is actually a part-time post and i'm going to do a bit more um public engagement like with the podcast and with writing and and stuff like that i'm hoping to write a book um oh, brilliant and another book so um uh, which will be a more popular level book than my first book which is a which is an academic book which costs you know like a thousand pounds and nobody's read it um so <laughs> I'm, hoping, I'm hoping to be able to write something a bit more popular level anyway all, all that to say is i appreciate people's support because i'm going to be generating my own my own salary the church can give me a house and then i generate my own salary so uh jamiefranklin.substack.com if you want to read my Substack and and subscribe there if, if you if you like what you see so yeah thank you brilliant okay we'll put we'll put links to all that in 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 the podcast notes and and just just last of all, um, do you want to just share if any any kind of prayer points for you and your family just in this next exciting yeah, stage? Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate people's prayers for us. We're about to move. Um, we're moving to Winchester. We've been in Nottingham now for four years, had two children here. Feels like a lot has happened. You know, it feels like we've been here a long time, really. I mean, you know, it feels like a significant part of our life has, has, um, has occurred in these last four years. I mean, the stuff with covid as well and you know starting the podcast and all of this kind of public engagement stuff that i i've started doing which i you know i didn't really expect anything like this to happen so it really feels very very significant that this time is drawing to a close and that this, this new chapter is opening up you know moving to winchester is is great we we used to live there i mean i we funnily enough we're actually moving to a church which is on the, which is on the road we used to live on no way uh, wow <laughs> in, uh, in winchester yeah um so really super excited for that but um of course i think you know it wouldn't be right for me not to feel unequal to the task and and a sense of a sense of excitement but a sense of also it being very very unknown um and a sense of not really knowing what i'm doing not really having the skills that i need but hoping by god's grace to be able to to develop them and to learn and grow when we're there so yeah pray for pray for me and my ministry and pray for our family uh, and for our children if if you if you if you can uh, spare spare a moment to do that really appreciate it okay brilliant 
we'll do that well look um yeah like i say thank you so much it's been it's been great to to have you on on the podcast um just encourage you to check out the links on on the podcast alan badger podcast site which take you to um helen substack and uh the uh, small telegram channel and do share this podcast with anybody you think it would encourage um, and of course you can get in touch with Helen and myself if you really want to and we'd always love to hear from you is that it Helen have I missed anything I haven't missed anything no, this time, I think Helen. that's all thank you so much Jamie oh thank you it's been a, it's been a delight and a pleasure to to speak to you and um, yeah I really wish you all the best of the podcast and um, and uh, thank you so much for having me on and thanks to everyone for listening uh, to what I have to say Awesome. Okay, nice one. We'll see you on the next one. Yep, bye. The Owl and the Badger.